Today's episode is sponsored by Castos. Castos is a podcast hosting platform trusted by thousands of brands. With Castos, you can create as many podcasts and episodes as you want, no matter which plan you choose. Full disclosure, the podcast you're listening to right now is actually hosted on Castos, and I can say with 100% confidence that Castos is the best option. Castos has their seriously simple podcasting plugin for WordPress, making it easy to run your show through your own website. This is a must-have, especially if you're looking to grow your business and audience through SEO-driven content. I've been using Castos for over three years, and the team has always been super friendly, quick to respond, and has supported my podcasting journey since day one. You can find out more by visiting callanbrecken.com forward slash Castos, or just clicking the link in the show notes. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Business Gay Podcast, where we talk about all things business, marketing, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Callum Brecken, and on today's episode, I have creative director of Bulldog Productions and the founder of the Bow Platform, Matthew McLaughlin. Over the last 15 years, Matthew has led the Bulldog Productions as a director and producer in developing commercial campaigns, organizing charitable efforts, and creating original concepts for primetime network television and streaming platforms. Matthew has an intimate understanding of both the creative and technical aspects of filmmaking, backed by the financial expertise to help make any project a reality. The Bow, which Matthew founded, is an ad-driven streaming service that will feature elevated original content created for queer people by queer people. The Bow will also offer a user experience community with social media functions and interactive resources that will revolutionize queer living and creating connection on a global scale. Best of all, the Bow is not hidden behind a paywall, making it accessible to those who need it the most. The Bow is a platform where allied corporate sponsors will have the opportunity to join forces to support true excellence in North American 2S LGBTQI film and television. I'm really excited to talk with Matt today about the future of streaming and queer content, so let's jump in. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I'm really, really excited to dive into the topic today because you have created something super magical uh, and I want to know all about it. So I'm just going to kind of jump right in. In your own words, can you explain what the bow is? Sure. Uh, I would say the bow is an immersive experience that really has queer storytelling at the center of it. So, um, we're in the industry, what's called an AVOD, um, which is short for Advertisement Video On Demand. So um, when I was a kid, you know, I, my family had a larger cable subscription package than, you know, I guess what what is quote unquote basic cable. And when I was in grade 10 or 11, I used to watch Queer as Folk in the basement and I would tell my uh, family that I was watching CSI Miami. Um, and as soon as like, you know, my parents came down the stairs, I would use the, the remote to switch back to CSI Miami. But, um, for me growing up Catholic in Guelph with, I would say my family was very open-minded, but, um, I still went to Catholic school. So like the topics, the, the slurs in the locker room, all those things as a queer kid, they're. They're just like constantly kind of these these uh, 
struggles that you face and uh, seeing that those stories reflected back, even though it was queer as folk in the basement, that gave what I was feeling a lot of validation and made me realize, okay, there's lots of people out in the world that actually, you know, feel the way that I feel. Um, and it validated my experience. Um, unfortunately, today, you know, we've made a lot of progress in terms of human rights, in terms of, you know, how Canadians live their lives. But unfortunately, in classrooms, we're actually regressing. We're going way back. Um, we're actually getting rid of a lot of uh, queer identity discussions that happen in classrooms, and specifically when it comes to sex education. Um, so when I had this idea of the bow, I wanted to think of this as a resource for all queer people and a place that people could connect. So um, is it an AVOD? Yes, you're going to be able to watch um, high quality queer content on the go, wherever you want, are on whatever device. Um, and it's completely free. It's subsidized with pre-roll and mid-roll ads, as well as ad banners within the application. But think of it almost like Facebook meets YouTube um, with all the interactive features of something like Reddit. So it's like a streamer streaming service where you can go watch your shows and you have all the social aspects that are built into it as well. And it's directed at the LGBTQ community and also giving access to, you know, the younger people who all the content's usually behind paywalls, especially now they don't necessarily have access to that anymore because, well, they're not going to ask mom or dad for the credit card to buy this pay service because then mom and dad are going to be like, why are you paying for this gay app or this gay, you know, streaming service? Exactly. Exactly. That's the biggest challenge is that, you know, queer people grow up too. It's not like, you know, when you grow up black, you typically have black parents. When you grow up Jewish, you typically have Jewish parents. It's it's that's the quote unquote, like the the typical, the most most people grow up that way. When you're queer, you usually grow up feeling isolated and alone. And you have to go through this self-discovery phase that a lot of people don't have to. You know, we are constantly searching for what feels right because it, it goes against everything that the society is built around us, you know, gender reveal parties, you know, um, like even just going down uh, a, a kid's aisle is typically separated into boys and girls. They're not, they're not put in the same space. And by us looking around the universe and seeing what's available to us, I think it's, you know, our job as queer people who have already walked this road once to kind of reach back and say, hey, you know what, we can do better. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like, you know, I think as parents, we always hear like the next generation is like, you know what, when I'm a parent, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to try my best to like, you know, make it better. And I think we're, we're trying to continue to get better. And that's, that's what the bow hopefully is. It's a tool. It's a resource. It also has, you know, fact-checked data behind anything that's published. So almost think of it almost as like a publishing education resource center that uses entertainment and storytelling really as the like center of it all to, to bring people in. Um, yeah. I love that. Awesome. Uh, okay. So there is, like you said, things have been changing. We've been evolving and growing. There is arguably a lot of new queer content that is out there in the universe. 
Why is it so special and important to have specifically LGBTQ creators creating the content that you have? I think having queer stories being told by queer creators will really change the whole outlook of what the queer space is quote unquote supposed to be or limited to. You know, oftentimes what happens is that queer content is still seen in a, in a space that is supposed to suit the masses. And because of that, uh, a lot of, you know, checkboxes get added. And when it comes to the queer best friend or the fashion designer or, you know, the lesbian best friend who you know, is single and overweight and doesn't care about, like has lost herself. Like we want to be able to tell these stories that don't always have to be the quote unquote, like hardship and like constant struggles. And it's part of it, but it doesn't have to be the only part. I think mm -hmm. that there's so much room for more diverse stories. And I think the queer experience is really, really so expansive. And I, I would love for people to understand that there's so much room for growth. You know, we, we often are seen as still like a very small audience that is niche that doesn't deserve or doesn't need to have high quality queer content, but that's just so, so untrue. This is an audience that is extremely creative, has, uh, has had to endure hardships before. And because of that, there's a resilience to them. And, and that's apparent in a lot of the jobs that they end up getting later in life. And, you know, I think it's important to note that it doesn't matter what culture, what, you know, community, what race you are, LGBT and queerness is something that really can actually be seen as a connector. And if, if, you know, I think if there's a way for us to go into this place of healing, um, you know, the, the best part about it is it, it is free. So like, you know, it's accessible. It, it would be great to have this and, 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 you know, have it be this, this huge conglomerate that, you know, people can kind of, um, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe I can go back on that one. <laughs> well, I well, I was actually going to bring that up that how, you know, the standout feature is that it's accessible and free to users so that you can kind of bring in a younger audience that doesn't need to pay to get in behind that paywall. Like I was talking before, why did you decide to make that choice instead of doing what all the streamers have been doing, where they have a paid model? You're doing the opposite where it's an ads based model. Yeah. Uh, so really it came down to um why queer content has been put into these quote unquote adult spaces so even if like you know oftentimes if you did have a subscription to a certain um provider there's still like age caps uh of being able to watch things that are quote unquote appropriate oftentimes queer content is put behind those walls so you know someone who's, you know, 14, 15 is still not able to watch that content. But like, again, why aren't we validating these experiences? There's nothing wrong with being queer. Even if um, it is a young base, you know, totally. for a young base, it's still held behind that, you know, oh, it's but it's adult content just because it's labeled queer content. Yeah, I think too, there's another major reason like, 
as of right now, there aren't too many queer publishing houses that are publishing high quality queer content or broadcast networks that are um, producing high quality queer content. Sure, every time that like Netflix or Amazon Prime or HBO does something that is queer and gives and is given the same budget comparatively to like a mainstream heterosexual based character, you know, production, it's always hugely, hugely successful. And the reason is because the market is actually so unsaturated with high quality queer content. And that's what we're trying to do. But unfortunately, the system doesn't actually exist for queer individuals at that high place of power to actually have a voice. So by building the bow, we're building the infrastructure and the business model that will allow corporations to be able to participate. And in doing so, we can also make sure it's accessible. So as of right now, like, you know, we have OutTV, which is Canada's, you know, uh, queer broadcast channel, but often their productions are really, really, really highly sexualized, like DILFs hosted by Stormy Daniels, um, Broke Straight Boys, uh, like, you know, I'm a Stripper. Uh, those shows are so explicit that, like, you know, if you're sh shopping at Loblaws, a, a company that sells their product at Loblaws is not also sponsoring OTV just because, you know, it doesn't look it doesn't it, it, you're 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 isolating a huge character or customer base that is going to be approachable to that does that yeah make sense? they they chose to go down the route they went down and you're choosing to go down a different route on that and it and all the content like i've gone on and i've looked and the content is great one of the ones that i was specifically looking at is the animal uh, like the cartoon one because it's oh, yeah for me, I got the impression it was based for kids and it was more of a learning experience and like a discovery. And they're at this school um, and the base. I mean, you can explain it better than I can. But the basis is like all the animals are separated, kind of segregated until it gets decided that, no, all the animals have to go to the same school and like integrate together. And so it's navigating all of that. And then on top of that, layering in you know, expression, gender expression and sexuality and all these different things. But in a way that like kids going through this experience, like there's so many parents out there that this would be such a great tool because the research you will have done to put into that, they can rest assured that it's for kids and that the research is there. And like, I think it's just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. So I'm very excited for it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Animal Place is, um, it's, it, it holds such a, like a personal place in my heart because so much of, uh, the world of Animal Place is I, you know, I wrote, I created the, the show and even the, you know, we, we actually created an entire animation team in the process so that we could, you know, when we do actually make this, being able to show, hey, look at what we've done. Like we've done all the character designs. We've done, you know, uh, storyboards. We've done sound design. We have, you know, characters who are super, super expressive. But at the end of the day, the story is such uh, an amazing piece of all of this. Um, yeah. So basically the story is that uh, all birds go to bird school, all dogs go to dog school, et cetera. More often than not, animals are taught that their careers are limited into whatever best fits the needs of society. So, you know, beavers make water dams, pigeons deliver the mail, raccoons take care of the garbage at night. Um, and we start episode one 
where we show what the world was, which is, you know, we establish it's grade eight grad. So think of this almost like magic school bus in the sense that most of our centralized characters are in a classroom, except that it's it's for more of a teen audience. Uh, so like, you know, they're going into high school, so they're going into grade nine. So we start at grade eight grad it's the last day of grade eight and they're all about to like graduate and go into high school so they're all segregated and then at the end of the first episode after we've established kind of our our different groups of uh grade eights they're going away to like private school all peacocks are learning with peacocks all you know bearded dragons are going to bearded dragon school everyone in the neighborhood gets the same letter from the government stating that Due to budget cuts and the depletion of natural resources, schools will now be streamlined into interspecies programs. So these neighbors who, you know, were passing each other on the street and everything was fine and dandy because they didn't really have to interact. They didn't really have to have the, you know, in-depth conversations about how this is how I live my life. This is how you live your life. And we're going to respect that we have differences. And um, so then they, they basically the the season is set up for okay what is going to happen when all of these animals actually have to start having bigger discussions about their lifestyles their cultures their 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 beliefs their values and when you start layering the different aspects of gender and sexuality and class um into it all like you know it it, it it's it's a really really engaging show and what i love about it the most is and what you can't see in in the treatment that we've put out there so far is there's this other added layer of this sort of um mockumentary so uh they're gonna have like first person to camera uh like discussions where it almost looks like the office or modern family um which hasn't really been done in the world of like animation that much. So I think it's going to be really fun. Nice. I'm yeah, I'm that was definitely one of the things that like piqued my interest. And I was like, Ooh, I'm definitely going to have to keep my eye on that. Um, you've been in this industry for over 15 years. When did you decide to start the boat? Cause things have obviously been produced, put together and all that kind of stuff. When did you decide to start that and why? So we had, we actually had this amazing production um, called Fuck Yes. It's a play off of the Greek lentil dish, Fuck Yes, or, you know, the the gay slurm, Fuck Yes. Like, it's it's also just like uh, in that series, it's a clash between old world views meets kind of like the Gen Z era. Um, so it's like modern, uh, I would say it's My Big Fat Greek Wedding meets like Queer as Folk. Uh, we produced it and we had it on MTV and I was just really excited because the show was so great. We had such an amazing team. It was scripted. You know, I wanted to do so much more with that, but I, this was kind of like our first, like, let's see what happens when you put this out into the world. And unfortunately, like it had rave reviews, but we couldn't connect with our target audience. And, you know, we were really making this for, the millennial queer age and, you know, Gen Z audience and youth. And again, with there being a paywall without TV, it made it really, really challenging. And then um, when I actually watched it live on broadcast and there was like three different commercials, one was two heterosexual women sitting on a sofa about a, like a, a dating app. I'm like, but this is a queer 
channel. Why are we watching two heterosexual women try to appeal to a cis male? It, that, that doesn't make sense. And then CLR also available at Kmart. And I was like, what? Where is the advertising dollars? And then that's when it dawned on me, oh, they don't have any advertising dollars because if the next show is DILFs or I'm a stripper, it makes it really hard. And I was like, okay, well, if it's not accessible, how do we make it accessible? And you know, last year I met um, Billy Porter actually through my friend, Jeremy Benning, who is an amazing director of photography. Um, him and his partner, Francis, are like really good friends of mine. They're like my chosen family, essentially. And we both work in the industry. Uh, Francis is an amazing film director. Jeremy is an amazing director of photography. And um, when Jeremy was filming The Accused last summer, uh, Billy Porter was directing it. So uh, during the table read of that episode, uh, Jeremy basically said to Billy, like, hey, just so you know, like my partner and I are big fans of you and would love to kind of welcome you into the fold and, you know, uh, introduce you to our queer Toronto friends. And he was like, OK, absolutely. I would love to. And so we had this great introduction. We ended up spending like the better part of uh, two or three weeks together while he was here working and, you know, showing him the different scenes in, in the city. And um, at the end of it, I was like, hey, do you mind if I like, I would love to tell you a little bit about this, you know, project I've been working on for the past two years. This was, you know, last year now. So now we're at three years. Um, and so he was like, yes, I would love to. And he came over and I I had the explainer video that you've now seen. But the explainer video, uh, to get to that point, we started with like, you know, storyboards and scripts. And at that point, it was an animatic. So you heard my voice, you saw animation on screen, but it wasn't actually me like walking through. But the, the point was there. And Billy was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Like, you've done a lot of work. Oftentimes when people try and show me something and be like, hey, what do you think about this? They're like, it's usually like a half cooked up idea that still needs like a ton of work and effort. And then like, they're hoping that I'm going to take that on. But he was like, but you, you have this idea and it's already like fully baked and it's incredible. And you've already figured out the business model and how it's going to work. And I identify with all of this because he was on a show called Pose. Who, and he yes. And and that show, I don't know if you've seen Pose. It was on FX. I think you can watch it on Hulu. Or oh, I've Plus. watched Pose. I'm oh, a yeah. fan of Pose. It's it's an incredible show. And his he he also said, you know, the biggest problem with that show was that they couldn't connect with their target demographic. You know, they had three seasons. Realistically, they probably could go for five or six if they were able to properly connect with their target demographic because. Their target demographic was queer, black and brown, Hispanic, you know, individuals who are typically youth. They don't have extra money to pay for cable. You know, there's already systemic systems of racism and oppression and, you know, all of that type of stuff. More specifically in the U.S., even more so, I think, than here. You know, I think we we embrace diversity in a different way than the way that the that the U.S. does. But, yeah, it was he was he saw the value in like, hey. You know, queer people, especially queer youth, aren't being spoken to, not nearly at the level that they should be. And we can change that. Yeah. And he so he's now your uh, on your board of advisors is the diversity, equity and inclusion advisor. Is that correct? Yes. 
Awesome. So he like joined, he was like, yes, I need to be a part of this. This is absolutely amazing. Yeah, he he is someone who I'm very grateful for. He is the real deal in terms of, you know, you you see people on TV and they seem so like endearing and warm. And, and then you hear about like stories elsewhere about like, oh, yeah, it's like kind of a persona like, no, Billy is like this hugely talented warm kind he is he is always trying to figure out how he can kind of you know be there and and kind of open up the door for the next you know queer artists youth to kind of come through the space and i i'm so grateful because he's someone who follows through on his actions too Mm -hmm. like he we had a, a launch party back in the end of the summer going into uh, going into the fall and he performed at the Elma Combo. We had like close to 500 people at our launch event. And he also did a two day press, uh, you know, circuit with myself and um, my amazing PR agent Amira from project four. And uh, he's just one of those people who is like, yes, I'm here, of course, like, and, and does it with a smile on. And it's, you know, again, I have worked in this industry for a while now, 15 years, and I've come to realize that there's a lot of people that say they're going to do something, promise the world, but then when like push comes to shove, like they're nowhere to be seen. They're, they're there to, you know, shake hands and kiss babies. And then when it comes time to do the work and push through, they're nowhere to be found. And I think, Billy is not like that. He's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that because he's very vocal in the things he believes in and the things he wants to promote. And I love that about him. And, you know, he's been called out for a number of things that have been said, but that's the world. The world's not always going to be magical and rainbow and lollipops. But if you have a belief, a true belief about a belief about something, you have to stick to your guns and you have to say the truth, whether it's going to ruffle feathers or not. And I love that about Billy Porter, that he is like, I'm all about it. This is how I feel. This is what's going on in my mind. If it ruffles your feathers, then that's a you problem because it still needs to be said. Yeah, I we're not. Here's here's one thing I'll say about like our culture today is and this this goes back to businesses actually um we're so worried about saying the wrong thing that we actually don't say anything mm-hmm. and because of that i think a lot of corporations you know when pride is here they have no problem changing their rainbow like logo um you know we call it pink washing or rainbow washing and now we're we we've we've got a term for it and we're going to call you out on it and i think again it goes back to how do we do it in a way that we can do it in a constructive way and and really be a leader in change and 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 showing how we can have these difficult discussions you know the world is so 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 divided right now especially with everything that is going on politically with Israel and Gaza and I feel like everyone is just so hurting and like it's like watching something and being like how do I what do I how do I make change happen and I I feel like you know the bow is not going to solve the world's issues but I do think it's going to teach us how to connect and how to learn and understand our differences in a way that like isn't really 
doesn't really exist in our current culture right now. I mean, there are some places, but to really be able to like have education be at the center of it and, and try and have, you know, have the things that are similar connect us instead of divide us. I think we need to look for ways of connecting instead of ways of trying to push others away. Big um, time. Yeah. Big time. And there's actually like with all the pink washing and rainbow washing and all that, I actually have spoken to, you know, uh, the people at the Canadian LGBTQ chamber of commerce and in the U S the national LGBTQ chamber of commerce about, um, programs that they have certification programs where, you know, I believe that, you know, over a period of time, the pride societies all around, you know, the country and all around the North America and other places should adopt a practice where if a corporate or anybody wants to be in the pride parade, maybe not the nonprofits and, and the kind of one-off small businesses, but corporate specifically, if they want to take part, they have to get, you know, rainbow registered. They have to get certified by these governing bodies, these certification bodies, because then I know as a consumer that the due diligence has been done from these certifying bodies to go through all of their data points and to go through all of their stuff so that I know it's not just another check mark and a way for them to promote, but that they're actually doing the work behind the scenes as well. And it's not just a one-time seasonal thing. Every season, it's a year-long thing that's going on. That's what I would like to see, but it's up to you know, the organizations to approach the pride organizations and then the pride organizations to adopt the policy saying, hey, starting next year, you have one year to get certified if you want to participate in the pride parade. If not, then, you know, we're we're wanting to make sure that we really represent the community in deeper ways now. Yeah, I I fully support that initiative. And being someone who's also like going through the process right now, actually of joining the GLC, that sort of GLCC. Yes. I'm always, I'm like, CG, I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but everybody CGLCC. gets a wrong. Every single yeah. person gets a wrong. <laughs> the CGLCC. Yeah. I, 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 uh, it's shocking to me how I didn't know it existed until only this year. And I'm like, what this resource exists. This is so incredible. I, um, yeah, I'm actually going through the process of getting certified as well. Uh, I think it's a really important business practice. And again, it, it takes away, you know, just exactly what we're saying. It's like, hey, don't put it out there if it's not true. You know, put it out there if these are really your core values and beliefs, even as an organization. If that is true, then show us the proof. We want to know that internally you're taking care of your people and that this isn't just like jumping on the bandwagon so that you can be popular with the rest of you know these other brands i think you're so onto something there and i think there's a real need for it and again going back to the bow i just feel like that's a huge part of what we're trying to do too you know our advertising standards are so unique in the sense that if you're not trying to appeal to a queer audience or an inclusive audience then like like your advertisings aren't, they're not going to be approved. Like you have to like gone are the days of, you know, a white cis family ordering a pizza and then also getting it made and delivered by white people as well. Like we need to expand. The world is not like that. Like we are all, we're a melting pot. We are diverse. And, you know, if BET can exist, 
the bow should be able to exist and have a space for queer people and queer representation and and know that they're they're speaking to a queer audience and not just because they want you to buy a pizza but because they're doing it on the other side in terms of making sure that again they're also taking care of their people and that those systems and their values are also built into their organization yeah exactly um i'm curious I went to the website and it didn't seem like I could watch all of these things yet. Has it launched and can people go watch things yet? Or is it still in the journey to get there? Yeah. So we have launched our mission. You know, we wanted the world to know what it is we're doing. Um, uh, the whole point of this was to raise awareness, show people, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be rolling this out. It's it. I'm, I was shocked how long, like all of these things take to get off of the ground and even just to be able to do what we did in terms of launching took you know three years of hard work while I was still running Bulldog Productions full-time um, but now that you know we have launched this mission we're we have a three-year kind of big goal so what you're seeing on the website is our three-year goal so in three years you're going to have uh, six original content that is the bow original productions, you know, that's, and then we'll also have about 400 to 700 acquired titles that are relevant to the queer community. We'll have the 12 user functions that, um, you know, are on the platform or that you can see now as like, oh, this is what this is going to do. So if you're going to go check out our website, know that this is our, our roadmap of where we're going, what we're going to do, what we plan on doing. The other thing that we've come to learn throughout this whole process is that um, originally, you know, we thought we were building uh, a streaming platform and that was the main, the main piece. What we've really come to realize is that we're actually a tech company that has a AVOD system built into it, but all of the unique interaction and features, those, those uh, systems have been built and created before, but what we're creating is a seamless way for you to go from one experience to another experience. So this is a very expansive idea. Um, we're going to start very small though. So in the first year, we're going to roll out um, three of our user functions and we're going to do a robust social media campaign and strategy. So we will bring you to the bow. You'll see, you know, um, a bunch of branded content productions that will be tied to our three user functions. So we've got the after school special, which is our comprehensive inclusive sex education that meets youth on their level, uses terminology that they understand. Um, and we're also going to use comedy and sexiness to be able to attract all the audiences because at the end of the day, we know that, you know, those types of discussions can really, uh, you know, get people engaged. Um, and then on the other side, we're also going to be launching um, the wellness corner, which is really uh, a place for the inner dialogue that a queer person is having with themselves, especially when they're coming to terms with their own queer identity. So there will be resources such as a, a coming a coming out manual. Um, and it doesn't matter what age, you know, lot, lots of people come out in youth, but a lot of times, you know, we're seeing a lot of people coming out middle-aged as well. And and that's totally a valid experience. You know, everyone comes from a different, their own experience. So uh, 
that'll be on the wellness corner along with a lot of other cool interactive features that allows you to connect in person and online. And then the uh, third one is called the phone book. And it's basically our version of like the pink pages or the rainbow pages. So it'll be a resource center for anyone when we launch in North America so that they know that there's resources, a click away, a phone call away, an email away. Um, if they're really going through some unique queer struggles, uh, there's a huge group of organizations out there that are willing to help. So I think with starting here, these are the needs of queer youth head on. Um, and then we're just going to really, really listen to uh, our audience and the users as they go through this process. In the tech industry, you have these ideas of exactly how a user is going to use these applications. But I'm sure you know now that you also are a little bit of a techie when you go into these spaces and then you have actual users who are, you know, live beings who have all of this life experience and like have unique problems and they will use the application in a totally different way. And if you're not listening, you're doing your job wrong. Yep. So we have to have our ears to the ground. We're going to have our eyes peeled and really watch how our users are using the application and then build it out from there so that when we do get to three, you know, our three-year goal, that the system is not only robust, but it's highly functional. It's you know, a, really easy for a user to understand the, the user experience and, you know, the navigation. Um, but yeah, we just really want to make sure that we're listening. Nice. Awesome. So people can start watching things on the bow in three years. They'll be able to watch. Uh, they'll get the full experience in three years. The goal is in one year, they will start watching um, our branded content as well as being able to use the user functions. So, Okay, in one year. In one year, you'll be able to start using the bow. That's the goal. In okay. three years, you will have the robust user experience that is the goal. And again, we it might change into and evolve into something bigger or different and and. I believe that like, you know, things do kind of happen the way that they're meant to in in, in many ways. And I think that uh, this is going to evolve in and serve the queer community in a very robust way. I don't know exactly what that way looks like, you know, in talking with a lot of uh, tech individuals that are going through this process now. Uh, gay gaming is a huge, huge, huge industry. And another way that uh, queer people are connecting and we really want to be able to have uh, gay gaming plugins into the bow. So again, it's we're, what we're really creating is a language that can go from one experience to another experience seamlessly. That's really what the bow is. It's a way of tying you with something else. And I mean, with a rainbow, literally, you know, if, if you think of a bow, it has the purpose of bringing things together. And that's that's where the name comes from. It's the end of the rainbow. It's also, you know, when you, the 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 whole purpose of a bow is to bring things together. If you think of tying your shoes or a bouquet, and if you mm -hmm. give a bow, it's usually during a celebration. And I think, you know, this is, we need a time of healing, but I think, you know, we also, we want to be in a place where we can celebrate our queerness and unapologetically. Yeah. And it's so true. Like I, I did um, one of the most popular podcast episodes I did for uh, my other podcast, the Gaming Going Deeper podcast when I was over there, was the coming out later in life episode. And it, I think it's still one of their top, you know, four or five episodes on YouTube with just like thousands and thousands of viewers. And so it's definitely 
all across the ages, all across, across the spectrums will have a place. I am very excited for this. I'm looking forward to it. If people want to learn more, find out more, or get involved in some way, shape, or form, where can they best do that? Yeah, so uh, go to the website, uh, thebowplatform.ca. We have a, you can subscribe to our newsletter there. Um, That's a great way. Right now, we actually just put out a um, email request for uh, queer identifying individuals to share their coming out stories. Um, And there's there's a way, there's two different ways you can do it. You can either give us, you know, a, a short little paragraph blurb of the whole thing, or we also have uh 10 questions that kind of go through it almost like an editorial process um so yeah uh and if you have any questions or want to get in touch with me uh you know shoot me an email i always love to just you know i love meeting new people we're i the bow and bulldog productions my parent company is uh been built on collaboration and i love working with people and i feel like we're always learning we're always growing and you know once you stop learning then hopefully that's when your end of days are, you know, right. (laughs) That's kind of the point. (laughs) That's the point, right? Yeah. It has been so magical having you on Matthew. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm having me. Yes. I'm really excited for the bow to launch uh, next year. Hopefully when it does. Me too. Um, We're, We're going through our first round of funding and we're pitching. So, you know, thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. I am so excited that there's somebody out there in this world putting something together like this because when I was a kid, I really could have used a platform like this where I could go and watch shows and learn and grow because it's so true what Matthew said. We don't have that innately built into our families growing up. We have to go that and find that for ourselves elsewhere out there. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you really like the episode, please give it a star rating. It really helps the show grow and develop. The Business Gay Podcast is written and produced by me and edited by me, Callan Brecken. And if you're looking for some maybe free SEO website audit advice, you can head on over to callanbrecken.com forward slash audit and set one up with me or just click the link in the show notes. That's it for today. Peace, love, rainbows.